Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine that about 15 or 20 years ago, a new country sprung up somewhere on earth. At first, it was small. The people who lived there seemed cool. They seemed well-intentioned. They talked a lot about making the world a better place. But changing the world, these are the things that people work for, and th this pushes people. Gradually, the country became more important and much more influential. It changed everything from the way that we shop to how we talk to each other. And it became rich beyond its wildest dreams. But then suddenly, three or four years ago, imagine that we started to realize that the new country wasn't all that it seemed. These undermine our democracy and put our nation at risk. These are gearing up for a fight in Washington over their futures. We need to restore democracy in this country. They're really treading on very, very troubled territory. The problem was this. The country had become a part of everything. We couldn't see how the world could manage without it. I won't labor the point anymore, but I'm pretty sure of one thing. If a country like that had sprung up, if it had changed everything, everywhere, we'd all know about it. We'd know who was in charge of it. We'd know what the country's constitution said. We'd know who might take over, the line of succession. The world's tech giants have had an effect on our lives every bit as significant, if not more significant, than my made-up country. But we know alarmingly little about them. I'm Basha Cummings, and this week's Tortoise podcast is the start of a project to change that, to treat big tech realistically. We're going to look at the big tech companies as if they're countries, and we're starting with Apple. Thank you for coming. We're going to make some history together today. So... Welcome to Macworld. So I'm joined by James Harding, co-founder and editor of Tortoise. James, so why are we treating Apple like a country? What do we get out of this? Well, in part, it's because these companies have a bigger impact on our lives than many countries. I mean... You think about Apple, and then you think about Argentina or Austria. Apple has a much bigger impact on the way in which we work and live, think, vote, love, communicate with each other. And there's also something, I suppose, that's a reflection on the way in which journalism works. 
You know, it's perfectly natural for us to think we want to know where Donald Trump sits. Where does Jared sit vis-a-vis Ivanka? What time does Mike Pompeo wake up in the morning? But when you think about these tech giants that have powers that are more pervasive, uh, more direct in many ways on our lives, we don't have that kind of understanding of how they operate. And they certainly don't have that same level of accountability. And it feels to me a little as though journalistically, given all the reporting of Apple, we've been we've been missing a trick. Because when you report on Silicon Valley giants like companies, you get to see only a tiny part of the picture. Mm. You might get a piece of breaking news, Johnny Ives leaving, or you might get the latest from a product launch. You know, the iPhone X has got facial recognition. But you don't really understand what Apple is or how it works or what's it doing to our world. So part of this is about saying, is there a way that we can stand back? Is there a way that we can step in to understand this story? Because as things stand, I feel like there's a load of reporting color out on Apple, but it's as if you're standing very, very close to an enormous mural. So how does the view of Apple actually change when you treat it as a country? Well, you ask actually the very natural, inevitable questions that you would ask of a nation state. What's the government? Who runs it? Who whispers in the ears of those people in power? Who's jostling to be the next in line for the throne? You, you ask, what's its constitution? What does it believe in? What's it going to fight for? And then you ask the kinds of questions you would ask of any big superpower. What's the nature of its economy? What's its foreign policy? What's its footprint on the planet? And when you ask those questions, you'll be amazed quite what a different picture emerges of the company and its impact as a whole. Mm. But then for the pedants among us, obviously we can't treat Apple really as a country. Those two things aren't quite comparable. So how does it work? What comes out of this sort of trick of Well, well okay, I think that's a brilliant question because I love a pedant. A pedant <laughs> is basically the person who is the canary in the coal mine of bad ideas. So we've thought a lot about this. It's clearly the case that sales or revenue, when you talk about a trillion dollar company, that's that's a reflection of its market capitalization. Market capitalization is not GDP. Right? These things are very, very different. Likewise, it's clearly the case that a company's value statement, this is our plan for the environment, is fundamentally different from a bill of rights. But as a way of looking at a company, as a way of trying to apply those same measures of accountability and purpose, it enables you to think about the power of these companies, and these companies have extraordinary power mm. in a very different way. Tim Cook faced backlash last week for removing a map app that Hong Kong protesters were using to track police movements. Apple is embroiled in a tense debate. The state of Duma taking to Twitter to say that Crimea is now displayed as part of the Russian territory. Apple is apologizing and promising to make changes after it revealed that contractors listened to audio recordings of customers using Siri. This is a world where founders and the leaders of companies matter. And Apple is the only one of the big tech companies whose founder isn't around anymore. So the transition from Steve Jobs to Tim Cook, who replaced him, is vital because, like the transition from Barack Obama to Donald Trump in the US, we can see if there's a sharp change in direction under new leadership. And it turns out, from our reporting on Apple, that there is. 
James is still here, but I'm also joined by Alexi Mostras, a journalist at Tortoise who's been reporting on Apple as part of the Tech Nations project. And I'll say here that if you want to read the investigation as well as listen to us talk about it, you can download the Tortoise app by going to tortoisemedia.com forward slash friend and use the special code POD50, that's P-O-D 50, to get Tortoise membership for half our usual price. So anyway, Alexi, let's start with the basics. In your reporting, if we're treating Apple like a tech nation, does it operate as a freewheeling democracy or as an authoritarian state? So within Apple's own walls, it's very much an authoritarian state. There are lots of things that have changed since Tim Cook took over from Steve Jobs in 2011. But one thing that has not changed is the company's obsession with secrecy. So we spoke to employees, former employees, who told us that they had to sign multiple non-disclosure agreements every year. If you don't have the right passes, you're not allowed in the meetings. Everybody is obsessed with who is allowed in which meeting and who is allowed on which floor. And if you're caught leaking, you're fired. No questions asked. For what it's worth, Basha, a friend of mine went to work at Apple, and other than the money, she might as well have joined a Trappist monastery. Before she went, she was an extremely candid person, actually one of those outspoken media types who's rather admired for the fact that she tells it as as it is. And now I find her living in the Apple cloister. Uh, She's as good as silent. Uh, Really, I, I remember I asked her, would she want to become a member of Tortoise? And she sort of backed off, worried about how it might go down at Apple. The company even has its own internal investigation unit, staffed by former members of the NSA, uh, that effectively operates as Apple's own secret police. And they hold scary meetings with employees every couple of months, telling them literally verbatim, Keep your mouth shut. A sneak peek of the new iPhone comes at a big cost. An Apple engineer's daughter posted this video online, and because of it, her father no longer has a job. So let's talk about Tim Cook, because his personal style and his strategic choices are are obviously key to understanding what Apple is and where it might go next. So tell me about him, Alexi. Who who is he? Tim Cook is a 59-year-old guy from Alabama. He's quietly spoken. He famously gets up at 3.45 every day. Don't know how he does that. (laughs) He is, by all accounts, a workaholic. And he is very, very, very different to his predecessor, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs famously ranted and raved got very cross when he didn't like something. Cook is much quieter. He peppers people with questions. The only way to know that he's upset is if he stops nodding during a meeting. And the other important thing to know about Tim Cook is that he is a supply chain genius. He's he's an operational guy. He came into Apple and transformed how efficient its inventory operated, partly, partly by switching a lot of Apple's manufacturing to China. And I know we're going to talk about this later, but Apple's close relationship with China has continued and developed under Cook to the present day. Mm. So how significantly has, has Cook really changed Apple? Well, secrecy is one of the things that has remained the same, but almost everything else that is fundamental has changed. This is really Tim Cook's company now. And I'd highlight two big areas where that that change has occurred. In the first place, it's what Apple offers. So Steve Jobs was obsessed by products, things that you could pick up and hold and touch. Under Cook, Apple is now also selling 
Services. The smartphone market is maturing, so Cook has to offer something else. And what he's done is he's shifted Apple's focus towards things that you can't hold and touch, but services that you can subscribe to. So Apple TV+, Apple News, Apple Music, Apple Pay. So, so to continue our metaphor, it, it's a shift that has made us citizens yeah. of Apple's ecosystem. So instead of living on Apple devices, we're now living in them. Mm-hmm. So what's the second way that Apple has changed under Cook? So the second way that Apple has really changed under Cook is that it now has a set of values that it never did under Steve Jobs. So in 2016, Apple's financial statements, which are usually crammed full of very boring, anodyne financial information, contained a a new section on Apple's core values. And this was effectively Tim Cook setting out Apple's constitution. He said Apple had six things that it really cared about. Privacy, supply responsibility, environment, accessibility, education, and inclusion and diversity. And it was really interesting to look at the language that was used because it was very much like a government would use. Apple said that these rights were fundamental human rights. He described privacy as a fundamental human right. That is a very weird thing for a company to say, a very normal thing for a government to say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fascinating. And it feels to me that on that particular point, uh, there's a moment that when you look back, you can really see that Apple did behave more like a country than a typical company. And that's in how it responded after the terrorist shooting in San Bernardino in 2015. And it was a moment that seemed to have Tim Cook's fingerprints all over it. Alexi, would you agree? Yes, I do. I do agree. So in 2015, there was an awful terrorist shooting that ended up with 14 people being killed. One of those terrorists had an iPhone 5C, but it was locked. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And the FBI said to Apple, look, can you please create an operating system to get into the phone so we can collect what we think is vital evidence. And Tim Cook very, very clearly said no. Breaking news overnight. I want to get right to that. Apple is refusing to follow a government order to hack the San Bernardino shooter's phone. The FBI believes important clues about accomplices and more plots could be hidden on that phone. But Apple says that complying with the government order could endanger everyone with an iPhone. But this case is not about one phone. 
this case is about the future. What, what is at stake here is, can the government compel Apple to write software that we believe would make hundreds of millions of customers vulnerable around the world, including the US? The privacy concerns of Apple's customers, in other words, the citizens of the tech nation state, were of greater importance even than national security concerns of the US government. But even even this week, the FBI has once again asked Apple to help it unlock two yeah. iPhones that, that its investigators believed were owned by a man who carried out the attack on the naval base in Pensacola in Florida quite recently. It's a recurring issue, isn't yeah, it? So, but yeah. we don't yet know their response, but, it, but it's an ongoing issue. But so Apple Undercook seems to have enshrined these pretty liberal values and is using language, like you said, like human rights in which to talk about them. But how does that fit in with Apple's relationship with places like China or Saudi Arabia? There was a funny mm. bit in Ricky Gervais's otherwise pretty excruciating Golden Globes skit where he joked in front of Tim Cook. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show, a superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, If we were to think of, of Apple's foreign policy, what, what do we learn? So it's, it's a pretty uncomfortable position for Apple to be in, because a bit like a country uh, that makes protestations about human rights at home, but is perfectly happy to go to Beijing and not mention the subject, Apple's foreign policy is dictated by realpolitik. Cook, in particular, has a close relationship with China. Last year, he took up an advisory position at a key Chinese university, for example. Now, to be fair to Apple, they have implemented quite significant reforms in factories that are in China, but the relationship at a top level with government officials still continues very strongly to this day. Mm. And so what about with Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia is a, is, a, is a very similar story. So in 2018, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman was given a, a PR coup, really, because he was pictured uh, having a personal tour of Apple's campuses uh, by, uh, by Tim Cook himself. Three months after that tour, uh, an Apple store, the first Apple store, opened up in the kingdom. But then three months or four months after that, the journalist Jamal Khashoggi was assassinated by Saudi state forces. Now, it's very interesting that neither Apple nor Cook has ever commented on that assassination. Mm. But again, then Apple is behaving very much like a country because mm. Britain and others have been criticised for failing to bring up human rights in China and Saudi Arabia yeah. for commercial reasons. But if we move to the US, what's Cook's relationship with Donald Trump like? So Tim Cook, who's a lifelong liberal, has spent a lot of time charming the Trump administration, not just Donald Trump, but his family as well, Ivanka Trump. He's met Donald Trump over dinner on a number of occasions. Mm. And, and he calls up Trump directly rather than going through lobbyists, which is something that Trump likes and appreciated. So even though he was once slated as a possible vice presidential candidate for Hillary Clinton... Was he? Wow, yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. A WikiLeaks uh, email revealed wow. uh, that that was the case. Since Trump took over... Cook has taken the view that the way he can influence things is by being on the inside. It's an honor to be here. We're seeing the beginning of a very powerful, important plant. And anybody that follows my campaign, I would always talk about Apple, that I want to see Apple building plants in the United States. 
and that's what's happening and having Tim Cook is somebody that I greatly respect, a great leader, a great businessman, and it's a very special day. For me, this is a very special day. That was President Trump during a walkabout at an Apple factory in Texas with Tim Cook, which I think is a nice way to show that they're actually pretty comfortable around each other and they've spent quite a bit of time together. So he's, he's buddied up with him, but what does he actually want from Trump? Two things. Two things are critical to Apple's relationship with uh, Trump. Low tariffs and favourable tax regime. In many ways, it's kind of like what any country would want from a key uh, trading partner. Mm. Now, tax is particularly important to Apple because it had amassed $250 billion in foreign earning in Ireland, which it had not brought back to the US. And the reason why it hadn't brought it back to the US was because of this old rule in the US that said that as soon as you brought for- foreign earnings back mm-hmm. into the country, they'd be charged at 35%. And Apple's view was simply, this is too much. Mm-hmm. So Apple and other US corporates told Donald Trump in very, very clear terms. Effectively, it was a kind of commercial blackmail. They mm. said, we're not going to bring our money back into the country unless you lower the rate. And, and was it? It was. <laughs> it was in 2017, Donald Trump uh, passed a, a major tax reform bill. It slashed the corporation tax rate within the US and it reduced the amount of tax that you would have to pay if you wanted to repatriate profits from 35% to just 15%. So all the relationship building that Cook had put in to Trump worked. Mm. Apple, through that reform alone, saved about $48 billion. So we're starting to build a picture of Apple as a tech nation which is secretive and this quite odd mix of liberal and authoritarian. So we've we've talked a bit about Apple's constitution, its leadership, its foreign policy. So what about the strength of its economy? You, you've talked about the shift from products to services, but it feels to me that there's a problem here. And that's that not long ago, you could look at a computer or a phone and you would know that that was made by Apple. How are we going to recognise a service that's made by Apple? Well, I think I think you've just put your finger on the key issue, the one issue that analysts and experts are really, really worried about mm. when it comes to Apple, especially over the next 10 years. How are they going to differentiate themselves from everyone else? So we had a close look at how Apple was trying to break into Hollywood with its Apple TV Plus service. And TV executives told us that they were spending crazy money on crazy deals. One example of that was that they've got this new flagship show called The Morning Show, which stars uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. It's okay. I've watched a bit of it. It's (laughs) kind of not not great. But anyway, a crazy amount of money was paid for the rights to that show, according to the sources we spoke to. So Netflix, who are the big cheese in the streaming uh, ecosystem, were also bidding for The Morning Show. But they pulled out after Apple offered the stars the rights to the show back after 10 years. So after a decade, Apple has nothing and the stars have the whole show. And Netflix just pulled out on that basis. And they they are not known for being cheap. Yeah. (laughs) 
But Tim Cook's approach to content and to television is radically different to Steve Jobs's. So just listen to these two clips. The first is Jobs talking in the 1990s, and the second is Cook in 2019. The truth of the matter is the shows that are on television are on television because that's what people want. The majority of the people in this country want to turn on the television and turn off their brain. And that's what they get. And that's far more depressing than a conspiracy. It's my, conspiracies are much more fun than the truth of the matter, which is that a vast majority of the American public are pretty mindless most of the time. So we can't wait for you to start watching Apple TV+. Plus. We've done it because we love TV. TV is more than just entertainment. It's cultural. TV at its best enriches our lives and we can share it with people that we love. So, okay, final question. In the reporting that you've done on this, there's this, there's this brilliant detail about how Tim Cook still shows people around Steve Jobs' old office and tells them this is Steve's company. And I think that's a key question here. Is that true? Is it Steve's company or is it now Tim's? This is Tim Cook's company now. Eight years after he took over Apple, he's effectively turned Apple from a corporation into a tech nation. Mm. So look, it's got 1.4 billion citizens, the people that use its products and its ecosystems. Mm. It's now got a constitution. It offers its customers an entire ecosystem to live on and through rather than just shiny devices to play with. And it's got very established relationships at the highest levels with foreign countries like China and at home in the US. But at the same time, it's arguably less innovative, less focused, and less product orientated. And, and going back to your original point about differentiation, that, that has made some analysts think that Apple stock is currently overpriced. Mm. The key question is, in the next 10 years, where is the new game-changing piece of hardware going to come from? Is it going to be Apple or is it going to be someone else? Okay, so if we were to summarise what we've learned, we could say something like this, which is that the People's Republic of Apple is having a midlife crisis, hmm. haunted, probably like many men we both know, by a question about whether its most inspirational years might be behind it. Yeah, I mean, it was founded 44 years ago, which makes it almost literally a middle-aged man. Well, there we go. Alexi, thanks very much. Before we end the podcast... As I said at the beginning, this is part of a wider project that we're taking on at Tortoise, which is to treat the tech companies as more than companies, to treat them as tech nations and to investigate them in that way. So, James, what can we expect next? Well, I suppose the next thing is actually still this thing. We want to understand Apple better. The reporting that we've done is, if you like, a starting point. We're now holding think-ins, our open news conferences, to hear from people experts or who've, people who've had personal experience so that we get a better sense of how Apple works, how it changes their lives and our world. We're then going to hold another specific thinking on Apple here in our newsroom in London on February the 20th. And I hope that what happens is that we get a deeper understanding of how Apple operates and that the people who come and participate either in the room or online inform our journalism. We started to work on the next tech nation, Amazon. I should tell you we're not prime, so you're not going to get next day delivery. But I hope that when it comes, we really do deliver. And I suppose that my real hope here 
is that we begin to think differently about how these tech giants are changing our lives. And I hope that it's possible to take something positive from this, which is to begin to think how we, as individuals, as societies, as countries, in fact, prepare for the future. Thank you very much, James. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales wherever you get your podcasts.